I am the Elder King, Melkor, first and mightiest of the Valar who was before the world and made it. The shadow of my purpose lies upon Arda, and all that is in it bends slowly and surely to my will. But upon all whom you love my thought shall weigh as a cloud of doom, and it shall bring them down into darkness and despair. Wherever they go, evil shall arise. Whenever they speak, their words shall bring ill counsel. Whatsoever they do shall turn against them. They shall die without hope, cursing both life and death. Morgoth to Hurin, the children of Hurin. Melkor, Quenya, he who arises in might, predominantly known as Morgoth, Sindarin, black foe of the world, was the first Dark Lord and the primordial source of evil in Ii. Originally the most powerful of the Aenur created by Eru Iluvatar, Melkor rebelled against his creator out of pride and sought to corrupt Arda. After committing many evils across the First Age and preceding eras, such as the theft of the Silmarils, which resulted in his name Morgoth, and the destruction of the two lamps and the two trees of Valinor. Morgoth was defeated by the host of Valinor in the War of Wrath. As punishment, he was banished from of Arda into the Void, though it was prophesied that he would one day return. Biography Einulindale Melkor was created by Eru Iluvatar in the Timeless Halls at the beginning of creation. He was greater in power and knowledge than the other Ainur. His brother was Manwi, impatient with the emptiness of the void outside the timeless halls, and desiring to create things of his own, he often entered the void seeking the flame imperishable. But the flame was of Iluvatar and resided with him, and Melkor never discovered it. Melkor continued to search, however, and as such was often alone and apart from his fellow Ainur. It was during these lonesome periods that he began to have ideas and thoughts of his own that were not in accordance with his fellow Aenor. When the Aenor sang the great music before Eru, he wove some of these alien thoughts into his music, and straightaway discord arose around him. Some of those nearby attuned their music to his, until two musical themes were warring before the throne. To correct the discord, Eru introduced a second, and then a third theme into the music. But Melkor succeeded in holding back the second theme, of which Manwe was the chief instrument. The third was the theme of elves and men, and while it was not overwhelmed by the discord as the second theme was, it too failed to correct it. When Eru brought the music to an end, he rebuked Melkor, praising his strength but reminding him that, as an aspect of his creator's thought, anything that he could bring into being ultimately had its source within Eru himself. As such... Even the discord redounded in the end to the glory of Eru's work. This rebuke shamed Melkor, but brought on anger in him as well, though he hid it. Thus, when the music was made incarnate as Arda, it was already flawed through the discord, and immoderate heat and great cold stalked it. Melkor then took in the interest of the world, and descended to it with the other Valar. Arrival in Arda when the Valar entered into Arda and began to shape the unwrought matter, Melkor saw the field of Arda and claimed it for his own. However, the other Valar took Manwe to be their lord, for while Manwe was not nearly so powerful as Melkor, he understood the thought of Eru better than any of his peers. Bitter, Melkor set himself against the other Valar. Whenever the Valar worked to better the world, 
Melkor disrupted their efforts. For a long while, Melkor fought alone against the might of all the other Valar and Maiar of Arda, and he long held the upper hand. During this time, Arda was kept essentially shapeless as Melkor ruined virtually every early work that the other Valar attempted to create. Fortunately for them, the mighty Valatulkas eventually descended to Arda, and his strength tipped the balance in favor of the Valar. Melkor fled before him and left Arda for a time. Years of the Lamps After Melkor's departure, the Valar managed to quiet the tumults of the world and set about ordering it in preparation for the coming of the elves. To give light to the world, they constructed two great lamps in Middle-earth and set their place of dwelling in the midst of them. During this time, Melkor re-entered Arda with the various Maiar spirits who had attuned themselves to his music and delved a mighty fortress at the very northmost part of the world and named it Utumno. To defend it, he raised the Iron Mountains as a ring around the north. Decay arose in the north, and the Valor thus knew that Melkor had returned. Before they could begin to search for him, however, Melkor came forth from Utumno with sudden war, and cast down the lamps. The fire within the lamp scorched a great portion of the world, and containing the catastrophe caused by their breaking kept the Valar occupied long enough for Melkor and his forces to retreat back to Utumno. After the destruction of the lamps, the Valar withdrew to the continent of Amman, and there built Valinor. In doing so, however, they gave Melkor virtually free reign in Middle-earth. As a result, the continent languished in darkness, and Melkor filled its lands with terrible creatures and decay. During this time, Melkor built his second lesser fortress of Angband in the west, as a defense in the west should the Valar attack. Angband was delved into the Iron Mountains, and was given to Sauron to command. While the Valar were unsure where the children of Iluvatar would awake, they were reluctant to wage war against Melkor, fearing the clash of powers might result in massive collateral damage the likes of which they had not seen since the lamps were destroyed. As such, most of them remained in Amman and forsook Middle-earth. Due to this, Melkor discovered the elves before the other Valar, captured many of them, and transformed them by torture and other foul craft into the first orcs in mockery of the elves. The War of the Powers When it was discovered by the Vala Orom where the elves were, the Valar took immediate action against Melkor, instigating the War of the Powers. The Valar overcame the hosts of Melkor, and he retreated into Utumno. After a grievous siege, the Valar rent the doors open, and Melkor was captured. Melkor was bound with Anganor and brought back to Valinor. There he pleaded for pardon, but was cast into the halls of Mandos for three ages. However, in their haste to overthrow Melkor, the Valar left many of Utumno's pits and vaults unexplored and Sauron remained at large. Additionally, they did not capture or destroy the Balrogs, who gathered at the ruins of Angband and went into a long hibernation, awaiting Melkor's return. After the passing of the ages, Melkor was brought before Manwe and feigned repentance. Unable to comprehend the evil of Melkor, being himself free of it, Manwe ordered him released. At first it seemed as though the evil of Melkor had been cured, for all who sought his counsel and aid in that time benefited greatly from it. However, Tulkas and Ulmo were both very slow to forget Melkor's evils and watched him closely. In truth, 
Melkor was more filled with malice than ever and began to put his extraordinary cunning to use in devising a way to ruin Amon. Seeing the bliss of the elves and remembering that it was for their sake that he was overthrown, Melkor desired above all things to corrupt them. Of all the three primary groups of elves, he found the Noldor to have a perfect balance of usefulness and open ears, and so worked his malice almost exclusively among them. Over a long period of time he spread lies concerning the intentions of the Valar in bringing the elves to Amman, telling them, among other things, tales of the coming of men, the existence of which the Valar had not revealed to the elves. Due to his carefully crafted lies, many of the Noldor began to believe that the Valar had brought them to Amman, so that men might inherit Middle-earth, taking the lands and the glory that could have been theirs. Eventually, a shadow fell upon the Noldor, and they began to openly rebel against the Valar. Chief amongst the disgruntled Noldor was Feanor, the firstborn son of the Noldor king, Finwë. Though he hated and feared Melkor, his overwhelming pride caused him to be the most vocal of the Noldor in expressing discontent. For their part, the Valar remained unaware of Melkor's work and saw Fenor as the source of the Noldor's unrest. Though perturbed, they let the situation continue until Fenor threatened his brother Fingolfin with violence, at which point the Valar summoned him to the Ring of Doom in Valinor to explain his unlawful actions. Fenor's testimony revealed the lies of Melkor, and Tulkas immediately left the Ring of Doom to recapture him. But Melkor could not be found. After a time, Melkor went to Formenos and feigned friendship to Fëanor in order to acquire the Silmarils. But Fëanor, seeing Melkor's greed, refused him and shut the doors of Formenos in the face of Arda's mightiest being. Melkor then passed unseen to the south and came upon Ungoliant. Promising to sate her unrelenting hunger, she and Melkor came back to Valinor, intending to destroy the two trees of Valinor. Then, during a time of festival, Melkor and Ungoliant suddenly attacked— Melkor thrust a great spear into the trees, and Ungoliant drank the sap that poured from the wounds, draining the trees and poisoning them. The trees quickly withered and died, plunging Amon into complete darkness for a time. In the fear and confusion that followed, Melkor sped to Formenos and broke into the fortress. There he slew Finwë, father of Feanor, and stole the Silmarils along with all the other gems that lay there. The Silmarils burned Melkor's hand, causing him immeasurable agony, but he did not release them. He and Ungoliant fled to the north, and the Valar gave chase, but the unlight of Ungoliant bewildered them, and the two escaped. The two thieves crossed the grinding ice of the Helcarax and entered into Middle-earth, completing Melkor's revenge. In Lameth, Melkor and Ungoliant approached the ruins of Angband, with Melkor hoping to escape and leave his promise to feed Ungoliant unfulfilled. Ungoliant saw through his plan and stopped with him before they reached Angband. She demanded that he surrender the treasure of Formenos to sate her hunger as he had promised, and begrudgingly he gave her the lesser treasures he had taken, but would not yield the Silmarils. For his refusal, Ungoliant attacked Melkor, weaving her dark webbing about him. His resulting cry of pain and anguish roused the Balrogs from their slumber in the darkest depths of Angband. They came swiftly to his aid and drove Ungoliant away. He then began to rebuild Angband and to gather his servants there. When Fëanor found his father was slain, he cursed Melkor and named him Morgoth, meaning Dark Enemy, 
and by that name was he known ever after. The name Melkor was never spoken again by his enemies. As Morgoth finished rebuilding Angband, the slag and debris created by his vast tunnelings was plied into three huge volcanoes, collectively known as Thangorodrim. He hastened then to rebuild his forces, breeding innumerable orcs and other fell beasts. The Silmarils were mounted into the Iron Crown, a first age. Within Beleriand, Fenor followed Morgoth to Middle-earth with the greater part of the Noldor in rebellion, hoping to recover the Silmarils. This action triggered the tragic War of the Jewels, in which the elves would be utterly defeated in the end. Upon learning of the arrival of the Noldor in Middle-earth, Morgoth sent armies of orcs against Fenor's host, hoping to destroy them before they could establish any viable defenses. Though the Noldor were outnumbered, they swiftly and completely destroyed the orcs. Only a handful returned to Angband. But Fenor, in his pride and arrogance, thought to come at Morgoth himself and pursued them. Soon he and his vanguard drew far ahead of the main host, and the orcs seeing this turned and gave battle at the gates of Angband. Due to their proximity to Angband, a number of Balrogs emerged to aid the orcs, and the elves with Fenor were quickly killed. Fenor fought on alone, but was eventually struck down by Gothmog, the lord of Balrogs. Though a relief force under the command of his son saved him from being killed on the field of battle, Fenor's wounds were mortal, and he perished soon after. Shortly after Fenor's death, Morgoth sent an embassy to the Noldor offering terms of surrender, even promising a Silmaril. Maedros, Fenor's heir, agreed to the parley, but both sides, expecting treachery, came with greater force than was agreed. Unfortunately for the elves, Morgoth's force was the greater of the two, and was accompanied by Balrogs. The elven company was quickly slain with the exception of Maedros, who was captured and chained by his right hand to one of Thangorodrum's many cliffs. Morgoth sent word to the Noldor, promising to release Maedros on the condition that the elves would depart from the north and cease their war against him. However, the elves knew that Morgoth would not honor his word, and sent no reply. It was at this time that the host of Fingolfin, which had been betrayed and abandoned by Fëanor's host in Amman, came at last to Middle-earth. Tension between the two hosts quickly developed, and Morgoth, seeing that the Noldor were divided, made plans to destroy his distracted foes. To his dismay, however, the Valar revealed the creation of the sun and the moon which confounded Morgoth and his servants for a time. To counter these new lights, Morgoth sent up nigh-impenetrable clouds of smoke from the Iron Mountains to darken Hithlam. During the time of confusion and inaction among Morgoth's forces by these new lights, Fingon traveled to Angband, aided by the very darkness Morgoth had set upon Hithlam, and rescued Maedros. In doing so, he set into motion a series of events that united the Noldor and allowed them to establish mighty kingdoms in Beleriand and Hithlam. The Noldor then set a siege upon Angband, hoping to forever contain the evil of Morgoth. When he had waited many years, Morgoth made trial of his foes, causing the Iron Mountains to erupt and sending an army of orcs down through the passes, but to no avail, for the orcs were easily defeated by the Noldor in the Dagor Aglareb. After this failure, Morgoth took to capturing what elves he could, breaking them with the power of his will and chaining their lives to his. These elves became his spies among the Noldor, 
and they kept him appraised of the movements and plans of his enemies. One hundred years later, Morgoth sent an army into the north to approach Hithlum from the side. But an army under the command of Fingon destroyed them yet again in the Battle of the Firth of Drengist. At this point, Morgoth came to realize that the orcs unaided were no match for the Noldor, and began experimenting with ways to create deadlier creatures for his armies. Another century passed, and the issuing of the first dragon, Glaurung, demonstrated the results of Morgoth's long labor. Glaurung's sudden appearance scattered the elves in the immediate vicinity of Angband, but a company of archers under Fingon's command engaged him before he could do much more than frighten the elves. As Glaurung was barely half-grown, his hide was not yet invulnerable to the elven arrows, and he fled the field. Morgoth was displeased with Glaurung for revealing himself before his creator had planned, but ultimately Glaurung's youthful foray was of little consequence. And some time later, when men first arrived in Beleriand, it was revealed that Morgoth had left Angband and walked among the fathers of men. Hoping to corrupt them to his service, he spread his lies among them and found them to be considerably easier to sway than the elves had been. However, the strengthening of the elven kingdoms worried Morgoth, and he returned to Angband before his labors were complete. Nevertheless, most men believed or half-believed his lies, and either departed from the north or joined with Morgoth's forces. However, a small group of men that became known as the Edain resisted him. They strengthened the siege of Angband, as many settled in the north of Beleriand, adding to the strength of the Noldor.